Well, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 127, if you would. Um, If there's a book in the Bible that you can find without a page number, I think it might be Psalm, Psalms. Um, Psalm 127. Uh, I'll I'll be reading just in a few minutes the first two verses. We're starting week five of our vision campaign today. It's uh, coming to a close uh, next week. And through this series, we've been looking at what it means to be a renewed biblical community that is growing in grace. Uh, We laid down this foundation, week number one. Fellowship needs to be rooted in our shared life with God in Christ, our horizontal interactions with fellow Christians, people to people, need to be shaped by our vertical interactions with God as an overflow of what we've received from Him. Week number two, we said sin's disease deeply affects every single one of us. No one is exempt. And gospel healing only comes through faith in Jesus. Health is not fixing all your problems or figuring out a way to navigate around problems. Health really comes from honestly facing that diagnosis of sin and then seeking by faith what Jesus alone can offer. Week number three, we said GRC is a rich church because of the abundance of the gospel. Gospel centered thinking and acting are at the root of who we are and what we're about. And that very same gospel compels us by the love of Christ to share freely out of the abundance God has given us with the least and the lost through compassion and missions and evangelism. Week number four, last Sunday, we talked about how Jesus' last words to his followers were, make disciples. Not just reproduction, but multiplication. Not just conversion, but shaping people increasingly into the likeness of the Savior. Jesus himself set the tone with his model of investing the few years that he had in public ministry in the lives of a handful of men. Inefficient strategy to change the world, but the king of kings in whom all wisdom resides chose that as his method. And we are going to increasingly devote ourselves to that kind of life-on-life ministry as a church. This morning we're building on that foundation of spiritual dynamics. Uh, We've called this a vision campaign because we see this vision of what GRC can become by God's grace. We've been praying in these directions. And some of it is... um, very much in focus. Other elements are still being sketched out, but uh, one thing is clear. We need a new home, a home for God's family. And as we explore what, that's, uh, what that looks like, we need to hear from the psalmist in uh, just these first two verses. Listen carefully. These are God's words. Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these brief words of King Solomon preserved for our benefit even today. Lord, uh, show us how that truth impacts GRC in 2014 and beyond. Speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. 
first thing we're going to look at is God's sovereignty, a term that talks about his power, his ability to accomplish his will. Psalm 127, the little superscript tells us, was written by Solomon, son of King David. Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes a couple of books later in the Bible. And Ecclesiastes starts with these words that really form the theme of the entire book. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Why would you keep reading a book that starts that way? Um, Older translations put it this way, vanity of vanities. And he continues, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun. Solomon's thoughts that form the theme of all of Ecclesiastes are echoed here in the two verses I read when we read the words in vain three different times. Meaningless. Vanity. In vain. Is everything really meaningless? In vain. That's the question at the heart of a lot of depression and anxiety that sometimes leads to suicide. The truthful answer to that question is actually yes. Everything is meaningless unless the Lord is in it. Your goals are meaningless, vanity, worthless, unless they're aligned with God's goals, unless the result is His glory and not your own kingdom being enlarged. It's in vain because what we build with our own hands, beginning of verse 1, it will break down. It will rot. Something will destroy it like a natural disaster. It'll become obsolete. If it's a church building, the structure may be there, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within it, it's a shell of a facility. It's not a church unless the Lord builds the house. It's builders labor in vain. It's also meaningless, second part of verse 1, to surround your house with barbed wire to install the highest tech security system, to have guard dogs, because if some crazy dude can access the inner inner rooms of the White House with snipers on top and 24-hour security, what makes you think that you can keep your humble little abode absolutely safe from anything that could harm you or your family? Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. It's meaningless to put in extra hours, to obsess over that paper, to reread that email draft the seventh time, to make sure it's just perfect, to burn the candle at both ends and along all the sides, because your boss just might give that promotion to someone who doesn't deserve it as much as you do. Your teacher will find an error on that paper or something missing from your project. You just might get sick at just the wrong time. Your car will die even though you have expertly managed every little detail and brilliantly anticipated anything that could go wrong at just the right time, just the wrong time. um, You are called by God to put in your best work. To work hard is working for the Lord, to pursue excellence, to be faithful, to persevere, but the results are in his hands. Another translation of that third line, look at verse 2. Another translation of the third line is, says, eating the bread of anxious toil. That's the picture of self-delusion I described. 
If you think your destiny, your success, your status are all in your hands, you'll obsess about your work. You will be devastated when you fail. You will be anxious about every little detail all the time. Your smartphone will enslave you, and you will be unable to truly ever rest emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It's all in vain because God grants sleep to those he loves. That can also be translated, while they sleep, he provides for those he loves. Here's the picture that comes to my mind. Yes, put in hard work, do your best, but leave the rest to God because you are not the God who rules the universe. You're just little old you. You do what you can. God does the rest. You close your eyes in peace at the end of the day if you really believe what this psalm is saying. Like a little child who goes to bed blissfully ignorant that now her parents figure out how to pay the bills, how to plan for college, unclog the toilet, clean the house, fix the leaking roof. All throughout, the little baby girl is sleeping soundly, blissfully trusting that the world is going to be okay when she wakes up. God is the one building the house. God is the one watching over the city. And that should free us from overwork in delusions of God complexes. And that should free us from anxiety at the same time in order to rest in trust that the sovereign God over the universe is in control. Nothing surprises him. That's God's sovereignty. Secondly, we look at human responsibility. Uh, Psalm 127 is telling us, if God is not in our plans, they will fail. If we're not pleading before God in prayer, if we are not aligned with his will, we will fail. That should actually encourage us and embolden us at the same time because why would we want to be chasing our own goals knowing that they are futile? Why would we want to ever succeed and get really good at achieving bad outcomes. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. It should encourage us uh, and lead us to our knees in humble dependence and lead us to never be arrogant about um, knowing this is the right way and this is the solution. We make plans, yes, that's human responsibility, but always with the humility that, you know what, um, almost always we're at least a few degrees off course and we come back to the Lord. Show us, Lord, which way to go. We are not able to figure that out on our own. We do our best, but you're the builder. You're the watchman. What plans have we made here at Grace Redeemer Church? Well, over the uh, first four weeks, as I said earlier, I've tried to lay the foundation with a focus on spiritual dynamics uh, things that could be abstracted from any context, or not any, but most contexts, um, and true and healthy about the church of Jesus Christ. If, if you missed any of those, by the way, uh, I'll, I'll continue to encourage you to access those messages online. Um, you can catch up on those messages, um, and perhaps if you've missed some of the growth group um, or beta group meetings, you can ask your leader for some of the handouts, uh, the discussion questions that have been um, provided. But I want to shift our focus now to some practical planning that we've done as church leaders that has fed into this fall's vision campaign. Um, most of the feedback that we've heard has been really encouraging. Whatever your gut reaction 
has been in light of verse, uh, in light of Psalm 127, I would ask you this. If you agree with the direction the church is heading in and the goals of the vision campaign, have you continued to desperately pray for God's leading, his guiding, his revealed will? Have you cultivated the humility of realizing that we very well may be off by a few degrees and need a course correction now before we go down a path uh, a few miles? And if you disagree, or, or maybe you just have some questions and concerns that haven't been resolved just yet, have you been praying just as fervently that the Lord would direct or redirect the leaders of Grace Redeemer Church? Because if you haven't, been praying hard on either side of the spectrum, Psalm 127 would tell you that your trust has been misplaced. It has been too much placed in the wisdom of mankind and not enough in the reality that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Well, here's the summary of our thinking and planning to get very practical depending on how long you've been around, depending on whether you've made it to the couple of town hall meetings we've had over the last two Sundays. Some of this may be familiar to you, but I want to get us all on the same page. Uh, We have three and a half years left in our lease here at Galway Place. It has been a good home for us. Uh, But three and a half years is not a lot of time to figure out what next. We have no choice but to act now or to place at risk much of what God has enabled us to Um, experience through his building by his spirit staying is not a healthy option Uh, our our leadership team has asked that question explored opportunities and it is crystal clear to everyone on our leadership team that staying is not something that we will consider it's not healthy for us Uh, some have said why not just lease another space and here's some um, helpful information uh, for you to chew on. For this 11,000 square feet that uh, we have on this second floor, we spent $450,000 to renovate it and equip it. And the landlord invested another $220,000 in order to lease another space that would be adequate for today's needs, and this is not adequate, um, as well as accommodate modest future growth, we would likely need to invest a million dollars pay double the rent on space that we would eventually walk away from. A lease also requires us to pay property taxes and um, redundant commercial insurance that the landlord simply passes on to the tenants to pay on his behalf. That's part of the lease. That's about $22,000 a year. And new and adequate space could easily double that wasted expense that in a purchase situation we would pay no property taxes and one set of commercial insurance, we need a new home. And we don't believe that um, buying is a luxury. We believe that purchasing a facility that would secure a permanent home for the next generations here through Grace Redeemer Church represents wise stewardship of God's resources and the opportunities that he's brought to us. We're currently spending uh, $220,000 a year on rent and real estate taxes and that duplicate insurance. And if we're able to raise $3 million or perhaps more, we believe we'll uh, be able to make a down payment on a facility not too far from here 
renovate it, carry a loan that would not involve a huge increase on that rent um, amount that we're already paying. And when the loan is repaid, we would own a building and that property and be able to invest that much more intentionally in more gospel ministry. That's a summary of our plans, human responsibility, trusting that God needs to build his house, spiritually speaking, but we're called to um, anticipate, we're called to look into the future, we're called to steward the resources and opportunities that God has given to us. Um, God needs to be in this. And we sincerely believe, as leaders of GRC, that he is. We've prayed, we've deliberated, we've debated, we've waited. Some have said, why did we wait this long to have a capital campaign? Um, this is in God's timing, we believe. Um, to do so earlier would have been a rush. Um, and our Growing in Grace campaign this fall is a means of presenting to you some of these dreams. God is sovereign. He must be the one to build his house. Humanity is responsible. We must plan and work. And that's what we continue to do. Lastly, um, what would a home for a GRC um, uh, involve? What kinds of impacts might it have? First, uh, another caveat. A building does not define a church's existence. That comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in the people of God. That constitutes a church, wherever they happen to be, in the jungle, um, out in the street, or in a nice building. A building does not grant a gathering of Christians their identity. That comes from the new life and status through faith in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, a home for God's family will play a key role in our ability to engage our community, to welcome newcomers. This is not a welcoming space to find the warehouse at the end of the, uh, the commercial district of Teaneck and uh, enter between dumpster number one and dumpster number two to wait in line at a little elevator to come into a tiny foyer that feeds into crowded hallways. Um, now look, this has been a good home. We've appreciated the gift that Galway Place has been to us. We have been able to grow up as a church, having been a nomadic uh, uh, church body moving in and out of Fairleigh Dickinson lecture halls every Sunday out of a little uh, white van. This has been good. But God has built something unique here. And, and I say that with a bit of hesitation because it can sound like we're bragging. But if we look at the opportunities before us, we realize that God has raised up this unique multi-ethnic congregation with a gospel-centered dynamic that... Um, is relatively unique that is able to bring people near who have been far from Christ. Those are incredible missions opportunities right here in Bergen County. We need to be good stewards of these spiritual blessings. Some of you have heard me share thoughts like these. Um, I will try to summarize them for, um, for us to be on that same page. I see a GRC where the broken will walk in our doors and find a safe place for healing to begin and then mature. That's why we've started Celebrate Recovery. Every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock food, 7.30 right in here uh, to talk about what it means to pursue gospel healing. 
We long to see our unchurched friends and neighbors and co-workers come weekly to CR. And maybe some would begin to seek counseling and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in a different context and then visit on Sunday to taste biblical community and then some through a miracle of salvation to join us again on Sunday mornings in worship of the King as new creations in Christ. I imagine a GRC where more, trans, more marriages are transformed from ugly into beautiful, where people struggling with anxiety and depression and deep insecurities uh, and identity crises would come and find help instead of hiding in shame. A counseling center housed within our walls would be a powerful way of ministering to needs in our community as well as outside um, in our neighborhoods. We've already begun to see how gospel-rich biblical counseling is an effective outreach tool because gospel healing through Jesus is the only cure for sin, not some wisdom of mankind, not some formulas and psychology uh, techniques, but gospel healing through faith in Jesus Christ. I know that GRC's future will involve planting far more than uh, the two daughter churches that we've planted in 15 years. I see us planting new sites and daughter churches and catalyzing a church planting movement in order to reach our neighbors more effectively. A few of us in what's called the Metro New York Presbytery, this geographic groupings of churches in our, our denomination, are leading the charge to form a new North Jersey Presbytery. It will need a strong permanently rooted, medium-sized church with resources to share. I imagine a GRC where the next generation of church planters and pastors will be trained for gospel ministry alongside the next generation of lay leaders. I have been increasingly convinced as a pastor, as a member of the committee that evaluates new pastors that are coming for ordination to our presbytery, I'm increasingly convinced over the years that men do not learn how to pastor, let alone plant a church sitting in classrooms in seminaries. There are critical skills to be learned. I'm, I'm all for the academy. But there's so much more that a young man needs to learn about pastoring that can only come by learning in the laboratory of the community of faith called the Church of Jesus Christ. John Working, our music director, has a vision for training up uh, musicians and song leaders um, all kinds of trainees would exercise gifts in a real community, ministering the gospel even as they're being equipped. A headquarters for gospel ministry would be vital to this dream. We look across the Hudson River at a to totally different scale, to be honest, but um, church plants and smaller churches um, gravitate to Redeemer in Manhattan for conferences and seminars and resourcing and equipping. And so GRC, as... A smaller scale center for gospel ministry could support the efforts of our sister churches as well as partner churches outside of our denomination. I see GRC along with this envisioned network of church plants and sites uh, becoming a launching pad for missions ministry, enabling us to draw on the collective resources of many churches to develop partnerships overseas, to send our people on short-term trips, to get a taste of that kind of hands-on incarnational ministry to send our leaders to equip the saints abroad so that they're rooted in the truth of God's word. And I can imagine a church in which our 200 children, sixth grade and under, an astounding number on our rolls, have space to play and explore 
at a younger age. Be active in musical worship and experience an effective learning environment suited for their stage. We envision using the same space that we will need for Sunday morning ministry for a preschool daycare ministry that could have tremendous outreach potential in our very local neighborhood. We'd also love to see our 50-plus youth have adequate space to hang out on Friday nights, be mentored in their young faith, be encouraged in their uncertain faith, be able to connect with one another, worship together. All together, God has brought us this incredibly unique mission field and opportunity to be a part of raising up the next generation of Christ followers. What are we going to do with that opportunity? We are not trying to be a megachurch. We talked about that in the last town hall meeting Sunday morning. What is a megachurch? People have different numbers to attach to that phrase. All we mean by that is numerical growth is not on our top 10 priority list. That's not the motive for the vision campaign. What we are trying to do, though, is to maximize our effectiveness as a gospel-centered congregation. That effectiveness is already greatly hindered by facility. And doing nothing would be irresponsible. So, we see significant benefits of a stronger, permanently rooted, medium-sized church. In fact, our target for a new facility um, sketches out roughly... (laughs) if I could add these qualifiers to to avoid being called on for a number, um, roughly double the the square footage of what we have currently. But the the majority of that extra space would be for classrooms, for gathering and community space, for uh, counseling and staff offices, and only a modestly larger sanctuary. What we're saying is that we need a sufficient trellis to use the vine imagery of John chapter 15. We, We need a sufficiently strong trellis for the next generations to support the fruit-bearing work of the branches that are rooted in the vine, who is Jesus himself. We're asking everyone who calls GRC home to prayerfully consider making a sacrificial commitment over a three-year period to help us secure a new home for God's family, to help us establish a launching pad for gospel ministry so that our efforts not only can be maintained, but multiplied and extended, not just for another 15 years, but for the next generations as we take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm going to pray, and then Laura Tretner, who is our campaign chairperson, is going to share with you some next steps. Father, thank you for this home. Thank you even more... um, Importantly, for this family that you have raised up, the people of God, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, uh, Lord, that we are united not because of necessarily shared backgrounds, shared ethnicity, shared interests. We're united because we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb. We've been rescued by the sacrifice of Jesus. We worship Jesus as our King. And that reality, Lord, brings us a family that can never be separated, a status of belonging that can never be taken away. We praise and thank you for these gifts that you've given us, and we look ahead to the future, anticipating, seeing already that you want us to do that much more. 
But Lord, unless you build the house, we the builders labor in vain. So build it. Build it by your spirit. Build it through our efforts. Build it in response to our prayers. Build it even through our sacrifices of offerings. We pray in Jesus' name.